Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to a new, another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. I'm Natalie Dillon, joined by Travis Frank. And we have a very interesting and exciting uh, podcast episode ahead of us. For those of you listening to this, probably all of you, um, if not definitely most of you, have heard by now about the cheating scandal that really rocked the uh, tournament fishing uh, scene earlier this fall when allegedly two anglers cheated in an attempt to win the grand prize at the Lake Erie Walleye Trail. Uh, We have the pleasure of getting the inside scoop today from the tournament director himself, Jason Fisher. Obviously, this is a it's a juicy story. Mm. There's some scandal, but we hope that this conversation will really be informative um, and something that we can all take a little bit from. It's a it's hard to say alleged I, because is, the video is so damaging. It's yeah. so obvious what happened there. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, this is an ongoing court case, and the two anglers, uh, Jacob Runyon and Chase Kaminsky, pleaded. Not guilty. Mm-hmm. So something off the bat that's very interesting about this is, you know, we can say it. I, I think I said it. It rocked the fishing world, but mm-hmm. really, this has made national news. It's yeah. made international news. It's something that a lot of people are talking about. So yeah. we are very lucky that we have our guest joining us today to get this inside scoop. Real quick, before we get there, I gotta sure. say, <laughs> if you guys listened to the last episode. I was not present, and my co-host, Travis, <laughs> was so kind enough to let you all know where I went. Yeah. Apparently, allegedly, and did you I find was the looking for an iceberg on Lake Superior to uh, ride, <laughs> sure. which I did. I lassoed the iceberg. I, I got knew you on could it. do it. I yeah, knew you would find it. <laughs> so, you no. are one with winter, <laughs> yeah. Natalie. I'm proud I, uh, of you. I was a little surprised to hear that. I laughed out loud, but no, I was on a, a cool trip in uh, the Alps. Actually, maybe we can talk about uh, on a future episode. Yes, but thanks you for are holding a world it down. Traveler, and uh, I <laughs> very thought, fortunate. So my sources were not correct that you were. They were wrong. They were wrong. You yes. were not surfing icebergs False. on Lake Superior. Yeah. Well, welcome back. It's but good to have you time. back. Thank See what you. happens when you leave. You know, rumors just <laughs> fly, know. Brandon. Yeah. They fly around, and that's troubling. Now I know. No more of you guys alone. I'm going to be back. <laughs> all, um, right. all right. Well, we do have Jason on the line with us. So, Jason, thank you again in advance for your time. We know you've been a busy man uh, this last month. So welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. Thanks for having me on. I yeah. appreciate it. So that, we'll just... Let's set the stage yep. here. Uh, you did a good job explaining what happened, Natalie. Most people by now have probably heard of this. If you haven't seen it, all you have to do is do a search for walleye cheaters. You will see a video. It's um, I, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember watching it, and every I was at a hunting camp when when this broke, and um, it went everywhere. Yeah, from ESPN to I mean all these national outlets, Jason. How many interviews have you done in, uh, about this topic, and, and have any of them left the country? So, yeah, I, I've, honestly, I have no clue how many interviews I've actually done, mm-hmm. but I can tell you the ones that I haven't done, it's like hundreds upon hundreds. It's every day, all day long, I'm getting calls, and it's unbelievable how many people want to hear about this. and. Uh, you know, a lot of the other anglers are, are getting interviews because like people want to know and you just, you want to talk to people who are there. So it's just been a nonstop thing. So it's, it's November 10th today. Um, I, I looked, tried to get an update on the case. I heard that, or I read that there was another part of their trial yesterday. What is your role in this case at this point? Are you being interviewed, testifying against? What, what's the latest that, from your position? So I really have no position right now. Um, there, there, it was supposed to be a pre-trial yesterday, which is basically discussions between prosecutors and attorneys and, and just kind of fact-finding. Um, I just wrote an initial statement and that's the only thing I've done so far. I I obviously turned over everything that we had to the division of wildlife um, and then they do their thing. So nobody will actually have to do anything as far as testifying on our side unless um, they take it to a trial and, and then you would be called into court. 
Well, to take a little step back, let's for those people listening that maybe are somehow a little bit unfamiliar still with what's gone on here, if you could set the stage for us. You know, we, we mentioned you were the tournament director here. Um, but for people new to this, you know, what kind of tournament is this? What are, you know, the, what's the format and what kind of prizes and prize money are we talking about? So I run two uh, tournaments on Lake Erie. Uh, this one in particular is the Lake Erie Walleye Trail. It's a series that we run for the course of the year. Um, we generally start kind of ice out and we go into the fall um, and conclude with a tournament championship, uh, which this tournament in particular was. Um, the prize money is based on entries. So the more boats you get into the tournament, the bigger the prize monies uh, are. And you also have sponsorship opportunities, so different different boat brands our our tournament in particular is ranger boats so they'll offer additional prize money um if you own a a a ranger boat um, there's other sponsorships that'll donate money we have uh, two companies are that 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 donate ten thousand dollars for team of the year so these anglers are fishing for team of the year and they um you know can earn extra money that way also you know just me as a tournament organization uh, we donate $5,000 for team of the year. So the next two, the top three teams will, will earn money for team of the year just for fishing the series. Um, you know, the money can be relatively good in this tournament. First place was 8000 And then you obviously have some of the bonus money that you could win. I think it was $28,000 for this particular event, but they have been competing in your circuit for quite a while. How many tournaments have they fished over the years that you've run? Uh, probably all of them. I, I, I would have to guess. They may have missed one here or there, but these guys in particular, um, that's what they do. They fish tournaments and, uh, you know, they're, they're generally at almost every tournament locally or, you know, within the, you know, kind of tri-state area here at Lake Erie. I think a lot of tournament anglers, you know, they that saw the video probably said, you know, the walleyes in this particular video were dead. So it's a catch and keep tournament. A lot of bass anglers catch and release depending on where they're at in the country. Have you always done catch and, you know, when you bring them in, these walleyes are not to be released? Have you always done it that way? So the state of Ohio mandates that um, any tournament on Lake Erie you have to keep them. Um, probably a lot of science goes behind it on, you know, the survivability of them just being in a live well all day and then coming up out of deep water and being released into, you know, generally shallower water, warmer water. Um, and just the, the beating that these fish kind of take Lake Erie can be pretty rough. So live wells are not the nicest place for them. Sure. And I think I read somewhere that typically in these tournaments um, that are catch and keep, oftentimes the, the fish are donated to, you know, local food shelves and, and to people to eat them. But sometimes anglers may choose to not donate their fish. Is that the case with these anglers in this tournament or did it even not go that far? So we donate our fish often. Um, this tournament in particular, just simply and honestly, I didn't have time because um, I was organizing another event that was going to kick off the following week to just deal with the donations. It's a lot of work and a lot of time and effort on our side to do that. So I said, you know, guys just fish to keep your fish uh, this weekend and, you know, call out your fish accordingly and in coolers and however you need to do it. But, but this tournament in particular, we didn't do a donation. Um, Also when you do donate anglers, can obviously keep the fish that they catch. They're their fish. So donating them would be up to uh, each individual angler. In the previous years and the previous tournaments that you've hosted, I've, you know, I've followed this story pretty closely and it seems like there are a lot of anglers in, in your events and others that were saying there's something going on here. As a tournament director, did you feel like this, like this was the obviously you saw something that was wrong here with the fish weighing way more than they should have. But had you seen something like this before? No, I, I you know I've never seen anything like this before on 
on any level of fishing tournaments anywhere. Um, you know, and, and for what you said at the beginning of that question, just other anglers questioning or having doubts about what they're doing, you know, typically that comes with anybody that has success, you know, not just in fishing, but, but anywhere, you know, whether it's some type of sporting, you know, everybody always thinks that there could be something else going on. And I don't know if that's human nature or what, but, but yeah, obviously throughout the course of these guys' career, um, there were always a lot of questions and, you know, some people say where there's smoke, there's fire. And that could be true, but, but there was never any like proof of any type of wrongdoing throughout the years, you know? Did you suspect anything in prior tournaments? No, I gave these guys the benefit of the doubt. Um, there's actually been two tournaments that have violated them on rules and I, not them because they weren't always partners. They're not partners every single time, but, but in one tournament in particular, uh, one of the anglers was disqualified for just being on the water after, um, seven o'clock, which the night prior, the cutoff time is seven o'clock. The word on the streets was they, you know, they were taking photos and they were just actually simply on the water. They were not fishing. Um, you know, so would that be a rules violation yet? It, it would. I don't know if it was malicious. I wasn't there, nor do I have the absolute, you know, details of the situation. And then in another event, they were disqualified. Uh, these two in particular were disqualified due to the results of a polygraph test. Again, I was not given the results of the test. So to pass judgment on what they did, um, I just, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I allowed them to fish our circuit, you know, contrary to a lot of what, what people wanted me to do. Um, I, I said, I have no reason to disqualify them. So I try to treat them as fairly as I could. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, something that's so interesting about this is that people kind of outside the tournament fishing world might not know is that it is such a small world. And, and I can imagine that likely these anglers are anglers that other people competing probably, you know, knew well and competed, you know, against many times. Um, so it, it had to have been, of course, you know, a big moment and big news within the, the small community itself as well. And, you know, I'm curious and also one of our, our listeners chimed in um, with a question on that that day, the day of the weigh-in, um, Cole Wellhaven asked, and I think it's something that we all want to know, is when did you first suspect that something really was, to use Cole's words, fishy? So, I, I mean, I can answer that. I don't know if you want to answer it now because it's part of a much bigger story, but um, essentially these guys were in the running for team of the year um, as well. So I had about t like the top seven boats. I had all the mathematics done on what they needed to get and where they needed to finish in order to be in the race. So for example, if the seventh place team of the year team had first place fish in this tournament, I would know that the other teams needed to finish X amount of boats behind them in order to take team of the year. So I had all that figured out and I wanted these guys to weigh in last um, just because it adds the drama. So there were several boats that I asked to weigh in last. And my, my person uh, that volunteers our weigh table, I said, if, if this team has good bags, keep them off to the side. And we had a, a fish tank to keep the fish wet and healthy, if you, if you will. But I, I wanted to keep the guys back because it just adds to the event. Nobody cares if you win team of the year, if you weighed in third and then, you know, 83 other boats weigh in after you, and then you mm -hmm. call them back up to the stage. I wanted them to weigh in last. So when they come up to the stage, uh, actually, the, when the second place team comes up to the stage, they put up fifth place numbers for the day. So I knew that this team needed to be 10th place or better in order to accumulate enough points to win team of the year. So as they're coming up to the stage, you can hear me say you need over 16.89 pounds to get first place. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about team of the year. So when I'm looking at them put their fish in the bag, uh, or in, excuse me, in the basket to come weigh, I see just normal fish, right? An average fish on Lake Erie right now is about five pounds. They're just like beautiful, healthy fish. And that's what I'm looking at. And you so probably have what, a good sense uh, of what fish weigh. You know, you've been doing this a long time. I'm sure you can, you typically can trust your judgment on that. 
Well, so it's my job. So if if you're coming up to the scale and we weigh our big fish first, and you if you have a giant and I don't act excited for you, I'm not doing my job because that is what brings the sponsors. That that's what brings you know the the spectators, and that's what makes you as an angler feel good. With if you're coming up with a ten pound walleye, and I'm like, all right, here 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 she comes. She's got a walleye in it. But if I'm up there like, oh, I see a big one. We need to be 8.2 pounds. Oh, mm-hmm. she's got 10 mm-hmm. pounds. You know, then it's, everybody's excited. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job. So, you know, I'm not even thinking about 28 and some change, which was the leader of the tournament. I'm not even, it's not even in my mind because the fish I'm looking at are not 28 pounds, you know, bag fish. So I'm thinking mid 20. 20, 23 pounds if they, if they were like five pound average fish and, 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 you know, some might be four and a half, some might be 5.2. So I'm just thinking somewhere in that ballpark. Well, when they put the first fish up on the scale, uh, the big fish, and it was seven, nine, I think seven, nine, zero. And I'm just like, no way. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that is not. Was it like a 24 inch walleye, 25 inch walleye? Probably. I mean, a standard, just like a standard mm-hmm. 28, 29 inch fish on Lake Erie is an eight pounder. I mean, a nice, healthy 28, 29 inch fish is an eight pounder and they just weren't that. I mean, it just, it's just, it, it, it they did not pass the eyeball test. So what's going through so, your head when you're seeing that, you know, you're, you're on stage, you're in front of people, you, you know, that something's questionable in your own mind, you know, how are you kind of keeping your composure? What are you thinking in that moment? Well, the first thing I have to do is I just have to act like I'm excited for them because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to stop the show. That's what it's all about. But I'm like, like the wind was just sucked right from my sails. Um, hmm. It was just, it didn't add up. And then, and then when we put the rest of the fish, so you have five total fish that you bring to the scales, we put the rest of those fish on the, the uh, weight table. And it was almost 34 pounds. I, I think 33.91, if, if I remember correctly. And I'm just like, no way. That almost makes a seven-pound average. And to have five seven-pounders, I mean, that's a, that's a damn good bag on Lake Erie or anywhere. So you know that when you bring those fish to the scales that you got something. And it just, it just, it, 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 it did not look right did anybody else in the crowd say anything because I, I i think i read a story where they held up these fish to take photos as as a winning team and nobody clapped it was silence out there was that true yeah yeah so you can take so think of this we don't draw a huge crowd but i can tell you we had 80 some boats at two anglers per boat so there's already 160 people there probably hanging out and then you get wives and kids and grandmas and grandpas. And it was our, it was our championship. So I asked that everybody hung out, you know, we had, we grilled out some food we were giving away and, you know, there was a lot of people there and it was like silent except for some grumbling, like, you know, oh, BS and oh, let me see those, you know, hold those fish up. And you hear that. I hear that. And I'm like, what do I do? You know, I, it's a very uncomfortable I bet situation. Did you ask me. any yeah, did you have anybody you could bounce off of and say, what do we do here? I think something's fi- I mean I think something's fishy. This doesn't this isn't right. Do I do I make a move right now? I mean because you obviously did it in front of everybody. Well, so what happened? Like we have a protest in our tournament series. Any angler can protest, you know, a a a, a bag or a fish. So I'm kind of waiting, like, do I hear that? Is that what's going on? But I also can protest as a tournament director. I could protest um, any any team. So I look over and I say, are we done weighing our fish? And there was no other teams to weigh in at the, at the time. So I said, you know, stand over there, take a few photos, which is normal. Take some photos. We want to get pictures of these winning fish. And hang tight. I want to, you know, I want to look at them. And at that point in time, you know, they walked off the stage and you start to just hear the crowd. And if you ever hear that term, like, like hot under the collar or whatever, I'm, just, mm-hmm. I'm feeling 
the heat. Mm-hmm. I, I just know that I need to do something. I got to check these fish out. But it's kind of confrontational. It's, it's one of those where, and, I, and I've also defended these guys. And in the last tournament that they won, I was the first person to call them because we filmed, we had a, we had a video crew and there was a video person on their boat and they won the tournament. So I don't know if they just had a fantastic day or if, you know, there was some other dishonesty going on there, but I was the first person to say it's over now. Like you did it with a camera guy on your boat. You guys are done. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. over. No, nobody can say anything to you anymore. Because there's always this doubt and, you know, all these tests and, and all this hearsay, right? Like, oh, they, somebody gave them a fish or they did this or did that. Like, it's all just gossip. And, you know, I just, I, I was always on the side of treating people the way they needed to be treated. Because if I ejected somebody for just simply being good, if they weren't doing anything wrong, that's real bad for business. Mm-hmm. Sure. And if... <laughs> And if I accuse somebody of doing something I had no proof, you know, that's bad for business. But but also having somebody win every one of my tournaments is really bad. And it pisses a lot of people off because they think something's wrong, you know. So I'm in a real bad spot. And, uh, you know, I, I just it kind of is all boiling down to this, like the guys, the anglers. I say guys, we have guys and gals, but but I, I you know, they want me to do something. I can just, I can, I hear it. I can tell what they're, you know, they're grumbling. They want me to do it because it's my event. I'm the one in charge. So I say, I want to take a look at the fish. Go ahead. So we, we know, you know, from watching the video, most of us here that you are the man that actually ended up doing surgery on the fish and you, you acted very quickly. So yeah, tell us about how you ended up really making that decision and what it was like when you were, you know, looking for that proof and going to surgery on those fish with, you know, people around right there. Well, I think the first thing we should do is not say surgery because that'll discredit all these highly trained doctors <laughs> that actually perform surgery. Yeah, you covered um, for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I know we have probably some doctors out there listening. Like, <laughs> no way, shape, or form was that surgery. But no, it was funny. So I, I said I just simply wanted to look at the fish, mm-hmm. you know, and I kind of got some feedback from the angler, you know, oh, you know, this has got to stop. This is BS. You know, you, you know, you got to quit doing this. Are you serious? You want to look at my fish? And I'm like, yes, I want to look at the fish. That's what these two anglers said. Only one of them. Um, because the other one, he, he kind of left. I don't know where he went. He, Did he look he nervous? Was- yeah. The video, there's one guy standing there and the other is gone. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. that one of my questions, I mean, I want you to tell what happened here so we can relive it, but my next question is, you know, like what happened that we didn't see mm-hmm. on the video? But anyway, take us there. You you go down. You got people saying, "Cut them open." So, yeah, no. Well, no. First of all, nobody says cut them open. But um, and if they did, I did not hear it. But but what I just said, I want to inspect the fish. I want to take a look at them. So, like you said, you know, they were dead. But there's there's a difference between a dead fish, like a fresh dead fish or, you know, one that might've been saved. So the first thing I'm thinking is like, are these fish, you know, fish that are freshly caught, you know, you could tell the difference with color Mm -hmm. and just firmness of the fish. So I take a look at the first one and it's dead and it's kind of, you know, it's a beat up fish. It's a, a lot of people just default back to this. Well, keep the fish alive. Then you don't have this problem. Well, it's just not that easy on Lake Erie. Um, it's, it's, it is difficult. And some of the national level guys will tell you that it's extremely hard on Lake Erie to keep these fish alive. Cause in the national walleye trail, they they'll, they'll have to do that. It's tough and it will definitely dictate how you fish your day. So it's not just the end all, um, by keeping fish alive, it just for people that are, are defaulting to that. It's just, it's not as easy as, as that. And, and walleye, are a different species than bass and they're even a different type of fish than what you would catch out of a inland lake, you know, up in Northern Minnesota where the water is really cold. I mean, potentially these fish could be coming out of 70 feet of water in, you know, a summer day and the surface temperature could be, you know, 76, 77 degrees. And they're coming out of probably 40, 50 degree water down, down low. You know, it's just, it's hard to do. So anyways, I looked for, just the, the actual overall look of the fish. 
And then the second fish I pull out, I, I kind of look, it's the same way it's dead. And I actually like the way I held this fish, I like grabbed it and I felt its stomach and I immediately felt something inside this fish, like a hard object. And in my gut, I knew immediately like, Oh my God. I'm like, there's just, this is just not right. So I, I asked my way guy, I said, get me a knife. And, uh, they wandered around, found me a knife somewhere and I sliced open the fish. And this is, this is like, you know, the, the part that everybody has seen on the internet and social media, but I pull out a lead weight from the inside of this fish. And I immediately, like I tell the anglers and I tell everybody, like we've got weights in, in these fish. And, uh, it was disgusting. Like it was, it was an absolute disgusting feeling and, and just all of the, like the culmination of all of the anglers talking for like a year or two, just, just pestering me. And I'm just like defending these guys. Like they might be good. I don't know. You know, they're just doing, they're fulfilling all of our obligations. They're doing these lie detector tests, polygraphs or voice stress. They're getting through all these things. You know what they're, they're doing everything we're asking. And if the tests are good enough for you guys, they're good enough for them. And uh, it all came to a head right there. It's just like all the emotion of all these guys. Like, that's what you hear in the video. It's just everybody is just. And we we know that you, you know, handled the situation well. It's something that, of course, tensions were high, but could have easily devolved into something that, you know, could have to led to a a dangerous situation for anyone, especially the, you know, anglers. involved there um did you ever have a moment you know it things cooled off but did you ever have a moment like oh shoot maybe i shouldn't have have opened these fish up right here did it ever kind of get to that no um honestly it to happen that way because everybody needed to see what was going on and if i if i took these fish or went to like some like back room or something um, you wouldn't have the hype, but, but there would be the doubt. There would be so much doubt. I probably, I probably would not have a tournament circuit anymore because people, it doesn't matter what it is. They would just badger you into mm-hmm. like, you did something wrong. You know, for example, they, they failed or w- one of the two did not pass a polygraph exam last year. And, and instead of, other anglers because nobody knew the results they just knew that they did not win based on the results of the polygraph these guys butchered this other tournament director like i mean horribly and some people had his back like hey they didn't pass they didn't they didn't win but then other anglers like oh they cheated these guys they did this they did that they screwed them out of the prize and you know who knows what the actual truth is because you know we don't have the results but there's always those two sides and there was no two sides to this one Mm -hmm. it happened right in front of everybody and all those videos you see they're not mine they're Mm -hmm. other anglers videos you know Mm -hmm. and and it, it takes me right out of the equation i i cut the fish open sure but everybody else drew their own conclusions here Mm -hmm. you know i didn't go telling anybody that they did anything wrong you know yeah, One of our point. listeners actually asked, um, we had a lot of questions come in that people wanted to ask you directly through us, but they said, was, you know, you said, do not lay a hand on these anglers. Do not touch these men right now. One of the questions was, was there a part of you that wanted to though? Um, I don't know. Like maybe if I was 20 years old again or yeah, something, but yeah, it, it like part of it was, you know, it, it would change the narrative. Again, if it turned into some brawl at this boat ramp, do you think we'd ever get permits again? Or do you think we'd ever be allowed back to these places? The The narrative would be a whole bunch of, you know, hillbillies fighting over a, a fish at, on Lake Erie is what they would have called. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It would have been a total different narrative. And I'm glad that the guys didn't do that. Although I like, I personally know these guys and, and there's some, these are, these are guys from all walks of life that, you know, you just, you just know that you probably don't want to piss them off. 
I've been on the road a lot this fall, drinking water from a lot of remote locations and hunting camps. And for the first time, the drinking water has been extremely noticeable. And unfortunately, not in a good way. That's because I have a Connecticut drinking water system in my house, giving my family and I the cleanest, purest water possible. The water in those other locations, not so pure, not so clean. I tell people all the time just how much of a difference Pure Water makes now that I've installed the Kinetical Water System in our house. Our drinking water is safe and tastes great. Our appliances don't run on hard water. And if I had hair, that would be soft and smooth too. At least that's what my wife and kids tell me. Connecticut provides the world's most efficient water softening systems. They use significantly less salt than other systems and zero electricity. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended, and I recommend them. Find out how clean, pure water can change your life. Schedule your free water analysis today at AquariusHomeServices.com. Hey, Minnesota deer hunters. If you're heading into the field this season, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources is asking for your help to stop the spread of chronic wasting disease. Here's what you need to know and need to do. Step one. Find your deer permit area number. Step two, find out if mandatory CWD sampling, carcass movement restrictions, or other CWD regulations impact your hunt date and locations. Step three, make a plan. You may need to change your traditional steps. Find your deer permit area and all the details that you need to know at mndnr.gov slash deer hunt. That's mndnr.gov slash deer hunt. This episode of Do North Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Sportsman's Guide. For everything you need to enjoy the fun, freedom, and traditions of the outdoors, you got to check out sportsmansguide.com. From hunting and fishing to camping, hiking, and just hanging around a bonfire in the backyard, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Tree stands, blinds, rods and reels, ATV accessories, and so much more. Clothing and footwear, too, from top-notch brands like Scentlock, Nomad, Mountain Hardware, Irish Setter, Danner, Ah, the list just keeps on going. Plus, a full line of firearms, ammo, and accessories. The bottom line, if it happens outdoors, you'll find it at Sportsman's Guide. Shop today at sportsmansguide.com and use the code DUNORTH for $20 off your first order. That's DUNORTH, all one word, for $20 off your first order. Um, What happens... Well, I think you handled it very well. When I watched it, I watched it several times... Um, and I watched it again recently and I think you handled it very well. What happened after the video cuts out? What was the next step? I mean, you called the sheriff, they come and arrest. I mean, what, what happens that we don't see? Yeah. So other anglers called the local police department, the local police department showed up, uh, as well as the division of wildlife, um, uh, wardens showed up. And they essentially just took statements. They took the fish as evidence. They took the weights as evidence. <clears throat> they, you know, photographed and, and did what any normal law enforcement would do. Um, there were no arrests made that day. And um, they, they just simply took all of the facts and put it on paper and, you know, just gathered evidence, if you will. Something that I think is so fascinating about this, and we know that this is, you know, an ongoing criminal case, but we've all heard stories about criminals in other instances who start small and, you know, if you get away with one thing, you you try to make it bigger. And I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that they've put so much weight inside these fish. And we definitely don't want to, you know, give anybody out there any ideas or anything, but it's like, did it surprise you if they were going to cheat? that they went this direction, you know, lead weights in a fish and, and so much weight. Well, so here's, here's what happened. It, it's a, it, it was the perfect storm. So you have Lake Erie, which, which genuinely um, fishes really well. You catch, you catch good fish on Lake Erie um, on a regular basis. So you have a bunch of the best anglers in this area, all fishing for a championship. And you just expect that that stuff's going to happen. So, meaning they're going to they're going to do well. Well, the weather and just you know the 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 patterns leading up to tournament day were pretty crappy, and it made fishing really tough. So, 
at the end of the day, a lot of these guys even zeroed charming charter captains that do this for a living that are out there that couldn't catch one single fish in eight hours. That's how hard it was. So, um, you know, that factored into it. And if these guys, if these guys put these weights in the fish to, you know, win this championship, they basically just guessed as to what they needed. But the problem is, is everybody did crappy and it made their bag be such an outlier that it drew suspicion. So that was the first thing. The second thing is, um, coincidentally, because we wanted the drama, I wanted the drama. They were last. It was like, to me, obvious. I don't know, just, just the way the stars aligned that made this a little bit more, um, obvious and, and, you know, clear for me to look into just a little bit further. Knowing what you know now, um, I think, you know, people say, okay, what have you learned from this? What do we do moving forward? Can you say there's any actionable steps that you can take now to prevent this? And I think the whole tournament fishing world is taking a look at this and saying, gosh, we got to prevent anything like this from ever happening again. So I'll say this, the the steps that we're going to take are necessary, but as tournament anglers, 99% of the people listening and 99% of the people that will ever hear this know that tournament anglers do this for the love of the sport, for fun, and for basically like bragging rights to your buddies, right? These guys show up at the ramp with $200,000 worth of equipment, whether it's truck, boat, a combination of that equipment. It's just winning on a normal tournament, you know, four grand, five grand. It's nice, but it doesn't get you very far. It's not life changing. Um, So 99% of these anglers are all doing it the right way. Now you take into account somebody that might have thought of dishonesty in the past or, you know, ha- has done something like this. Nobody, nobody in their right mind would want to draw this type of media to themselves. I mean, I like I, I honestly feel bad. It, it, it. What, what happened was not right, but I mean, it's like this is way, way, way over the top, and I, I feel bad to to some extent. No, so you said that you know these two gentlemen, and that um, I think. I have to imagine there's this incredible remorse and and this whatever they're going through. Have you talked to them since? Have they talked, you know, explained where they're coming from or is, have you had to separate yourself from them entirely? Well, um no, I haven't talked to them. I don't think really anybody has. Um and I've heard that they, you know, that they're okay. That's the only thing I've I reached out to a couple people who know them and I was like, Hey, you know, are they okay? Um, physically, mentally, but as far as talking to them, I'll never reach out. I quite, I quite frankly don't care, uh, what they have to say. It's as long as they're physically and mentally okay, then I'm good with that. If they're found not guilty, will you award them first place? No. Can you legally do that as a tournament director? I have to imagine you can. Can I legally award them first place? Can you legally not? So having altered fish is a rules violation, whether or not they're found criminally guilty of anything. Um, the fish that they weighed, that that they weighed were altered. So Sure. You know, now that we're, you know, over a month out from this, uh, you know, I, I know Travis and I and a lot of people, including some of our listeners, are really curious about, you know, the the aftermath and what can be taken from all this. Um, including, you know, hopefully on the positive side, we've talked a lot about all the media and the press conference, uh, coverage that this has gotten. Of course, a lot, you know, it's all talking about, you know, the cheating. Do you think that there's any positives that can come out of this, you know, news coverage of this tournament, even though it is about something that's, you know, an, an inherently negative situation? So locally, um, one thing that's come out of it already is just, just showing that our anglers do 
things like on a much higher level than just tournament fish. Um, we've had a local uh, young boy who's battling with uh, leukemia. In this tournament and our previous tournament, we were actually doing fundraisers for him. And it got overshadowed due to this this drama, and we didn't like that. So most of our anglers jumped on board, and, and we donated lots of product and did some online raffles and fundraisers, and these guys were doing charter fishing trips, and, and they lit up the terminal tower. They called it, uh, you know, lighted up for Levi. So these guys who were fishing at night, um, you know, everybody took photos, and, and we've raised so much money for a family that needs it. And that's what these guys are all about. This tournament fishing is essentially your local bar, right? This is what these guys do to socialize and hang out and have fun with one another. Um, instead of, you know, going to a club or whatever, they just, this is what they do. And, and they care about each other. You know, they're, they're at each other's weddings. They're at each other's, you know, children's birthdays and, and, you know, they came together for me last year. Um, I was having some medical things myself. And these guys rallied through, uh, you know, they, they, they cut my grass. They brought me food. You know, they, they offered to provide, you know, finances for me. And, and, and they, they did a charity tournament in my name and started something in my name. And these guys care about people. They care about each other. And that's what kind of has been highlighted around here locally. Um, so hopefully nationwide tournament anglers can just, you know, show that they're much more passionate about the sport and taking care of, you know, people than, than just some drama, you know, dishonesty. Have you had other tournament directors reach out to you to just talk through how it played out for you? Um, I've had other tournament directors reach out and just kind of say, you know, Hey, you did a good job, but I, I don't, nobody's asked me like how it panned out. I think everybody sees it. And if you're in the, the tournament game, you know, you know, you know how it panned out and they, they don't need to ask questions. Maybe they will, you know, down the road, like how do we prevent things like this? But I think that they, they know, and you know, they'll reach out in time if they want to. Do you see any rule changes coming? A couple of our listeners asked about, you know, metal detectors, um, you know, different, uh, frequencies or requirements for lie detectors or even like a, a reporting process if, you know, anglers see something that, that looks questionable if there's a specific reporting process. So do you, do you see any changes uh, along the rules coming in the near future or anything that you can share? So we already have, um, I bought, I bought four or five light or, um, uh, metal detectors that detect lead and tungsten and other types of you know, metals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're currently using those. And, you know, as far as like other rule changes, you know, we can hold the bags, the top five. And if, you know, if they get bumped, then they can take their bags and, and, you know, do whatever they wish with them, eat them, donate them, you know, etc. But the, the, like the, the polygraph testing is just, it's that it's going to have to stand. And it's, you know, it does work. It is a tool. It obviously is not a hundred percent tool, but it is a tool that works. And, you know, the anglers know that going into it. So that's just a deterrent just in and of itself. And, uh, they all have the opportunity within our rules. They all have the opportunity to protest and they can do it anonymously because the last thing somebody wants to do is say, I'm saying that so-and-so did something wrong. and then their name is kind of drugged through the mud. So they can do it anonymously. Uh, it would come straight to me. I'm obviously the one who would know who protested, but they can do that right on our website. And um, nobody does it, quite I, frankly. Nobody, do, nobody does it. So I, it's just one of those things. I think just the explosion that this video caused, anybody that has cheated in a tournament has to think, Wow. If they have cheated in their mind, they must think, I got away with it. I cannot do that again. Look at what happened here. This has gone worldwide. And nobody in their right mind would ever want that to happen again. So I feel like this being such a huge story in the outdoor world um, is going to make things uh, run better, I would imagine, for future tournaments in all 
angling circles around the country. And it has shed light too on the, you know, other cheating incidents in the past or alleged yeah. cheating incidents in the past. You know, people are talking about it in, in tournaments like this and in ice fishing tournaments. And, you know, I think just getting that conversation to the forefront, you know, we, maybe it's naive to think, but you'd like to think that just having it's, this Natalie, out there is going to be a deterrent. It's amazing what people will do when there's money and prizes on the line. Mm-hmm. I was uh, talking to a friend that ran a tournament, an ice fishing tournament here in Minnesota. And he goes, do you remember back in, you know, like he listed the year and he mm-hmm. goes, when we busted that guy, a guy stuffed a Northern Pike yeah. in his bibs. It walked oh, in to the ice fishing Sorry, tournament. It's not funny. I don't it's want to support funny, that. It's not funny, but he, he got busted though. for cheating on a casual wow. ice fishing tournament. I mean, yeah. this stuff happens. Yeah. It, it's real and it happens. And this obviously is a, is a huge story, Jason. There's been talk of, you know, there's $300,000 in prizes that have been won by this team uh, pointed out. And, you know, some people will say, what is going to happen with all that winning with that money. I'm assuming that they are this, this court case is only going to be on your tournament on this particular event. Uh, Can you shed any light? I know you got to get going soon and we'll wrap this up, but where it stands today and what they stand to lose at this point. So the only thing that they face right now would be um, the penalties of this day in question. So anything that they've done in the past, I would imagine is going to be water under the bridge, right? There's no way to prove that they did anything wrong, nor, I mean, like, did they actually do anything wrong? Who knows? So that's kind of like a witch hunt, and I don't know that that would go anywhere. Um, now they're, they're, they're facing, you know, some theft, some alleged theft charges, um, and the amount of uh, over $1,000 would just make it, a felony level. Um, there's a couple other charges and, and I just, you know, fine money and obviously jail time could be associated with that. But I don't, you know, I'll let the court systems do their thing. And quite frankly, I don't care what happens to them. Um, I just, I, I, I'm just glad that it's not going to be a part of my events anymore. And we have a good group of guys that, you know, are all just like relieved now that they can go about their business and not have to concern themselves with this team anymore. I do have just uh, while we're talking about deterrence, I actually pulled up kind of the uh, official what they're facing right now. So it looks like they're indicted on three felonies, one misdemeanor and one misdemeanor each. Um, Yeah. Attempted grand theft, possessing criminal tools, unlawful ownership of wild animals. These men could face up to three years in jail and fines of more than 7,500 if convicted. They've lost their boat. They've lost their their vehicles and they may lose their fishing license privileges for the rest of their life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I I know from the fishing circle, the people I've talked, they, they really want to see the book thrown at them Mm -hmm. because they want the crime to be um, taken so seriously that people do not, try anything like this again in the name of good faith and all the good anglers out there and all the people that are trying to do things like you talked about, Jason, there's so much good that comes out of these events and the people that participate in them. Uh, this story obviously has, has captured the, uh, the fishing world and I'm pretty certain that everybody is going to continue following it. Um, I've got uh, two just last quick follow-up questions for yeah. you, Jason. Number one, how often do you get asked about your last name being Fisher? And I'm assuming you're, you're an angler yourself. It's one of those just fitting things, I guess. Well, and also you've done, as you mentioned, many, many interviews about this. If you were to be interviewed in the future on a podcast or a newspaper about something other than this incident, what would you want that to be about? What do you want the world to know about you? I just want the world to know that I truly want the best for these anglers up here on Lake Erie and Lake Erie is the best walleye fishery fishery in the world. Uh, contrary to what you Minnesotans and and Canadians think, uh, I challenge you to come down here on Lake Erie. If you ever want to take a vacation and and enjoy just some quality fishing and, and time with your friends, check out Lake Erie. And uh, also, you know, if you if you have a competitive edge, come on down here and check us out. We run the Lake Erie Walleye Trail. We invite everybody. We have open divisions where you can fish with your family and friends. And it's not so serious. 
and um, in the fall and in the spring, you can catch giants on Lake Erie, and it's a great place to do uh, make memories. Oh, it's a it's high high on my list. We did a show a while back, Natalie and I, about places that you have to fish, and Lake Erie was near the top. Um, I've I'm hearing from a lot of anglers over there that the current fish walleye population in your lake is at a record level. Is that true from your perspective? Yeah. And it's, it's just doing nothing but getting better. Uh, the division puts out numbers and they say, you know, record hatch, record hatch, record hatch. And it seems like that's a broken record. <clears throat> and every year you go out there and you can't think it gets much better. And then you go out there and it is, it's, it's fantastic fishing. Um, you know, and, and like one more, I guess, shameless plug, we run the walleye fall brawl and for $35 anglers from all over the country enter and you guys can win um, uh, over $500,000 in cash and prizes. We're giving away boats and things like that. And currently the leader's up over 11 pounds, almost 12 pounds. I mean, that's a heck of a walleye. And uh, lucky anglers offshore as well as boats can can do it, and it's just a great time. Hmm. We did open up uh, for some questions from listeners, and one that I did see multiple times um, and I think you answered this earlier on talking about how the fish are caught in deep water, but is a catch and release format something that you would be able to do? And if not, why not? So catch and release and we do in the springtime, we'll do a couple, uh, we use a platform called fish donkey. Um, they're great platforms and they're, they're awesome ways to fish. But there's one major problem. If you're a businessman, you know this. There's no excitement there, right? right? Yep. There's no there's no stage. There's no recognition for the team. So a lot of my anglers get money to fish uh, in the way of sponsorships. Our um, our club is run strictly by sponsorships, um, and you just can't do that with those catch and release style formats and. Lake Erie is such a healthy fishery that you don't need to do that. Um, out West, you know, you guys, it might take you 20 years to get, you know, a decent walleye, uh, just simply because your grow patterns are much lower than on Lake Erie. We're replenishing those five and six pound fish within five years. And, and the division actually wants them removed from the lake. You have, you have to take fish from the lake in order for it to be a healthy, uh, you know, lake and, and, and that's kind of what we face out here as, as Lake Erie fishermen. So the catch and release format's great. We do it in the spring when we want to protect some of our big uh, females that are out there spawning that we're targeting, but it's just, you know, you have no excitement there. Lake Erie is one of those places where every walleye angler around the country looks at the photos of, you know, when the charter comes in and they're all like six, eight, 10 pound walleyes. And they're like, I thought we we're supposed to let those ones go. Those are the future, right? But not out there. There's so many millions of them that they're taken out regularly and it's encouraged of all. Things. What people don't understand, they see a charter board like that and, and you're like, man, why don't you let those fish go? And, and you could let them go. And then the next 20 fish you catch are going to look exactly the same. So at some point you have to, you know, you have to just keep what you catch and, I'm a, you know, it's kind of weird because I personally let go every big fish that I catch. And then people would say, oh, well, you know, you run tournaments and then your guys take them all out of the lake. But we like, so a tournament angler, if we fish, you know, uh, several times a year, right? We have eight tournaments. If you did good and you caught five big fish on three of those uh, tournaments, you're talking 15 fish through the course of the year. I mean, it's not. These guys aren't going out there slaughtering giants every day. You get a handful of guys that do well and catch some of these big fish. And it's just Lake Erie's built for this. And, and it's the best fishery there is uh, for walleye. Well, Jason, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on your fishery, sending people out there as much as we can. And, you know, again, we want to thank you for your time today. This has been super informative and, and insightful. And we hope that listeners uh, learned a lot and, and can take something from it, too. So thanks again for your time. We're really glad that we got to to connect with you. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. We hope you stay out of the news from this point <laughs> <Yes>. forward. <laughs> All right, take care. Natalie, any Thoughts after that conversation? 
Uh, oh, so many thoughts. I feel like we could make this a five-part episode, but uh, if I'm being very honest, it makes me just the teensiest, tiniest little bit sad that our lakes are going to be hardening up here soon. Makes me want to go fishing, open water. It does. And I think from my perspective, like I just have this feeling about other people where I like, I feel bad for these people who oh, made these hor- horrible yep. decisions. And I mean, I don't know how many millions and millions of views those videos have gotten online, but mm-hmm. they've been all over, like you said, yeah, all over true. every major media outlet in our country and, and everyone's watching it and they haven't said anything mm-hmm. uh, that I know of. They haven't, I mean, even in the video, the guy's just standing there and yeah. what's going through his mind? Sure. And everyone's those, yelling at him. Yeah. One of those things that hopefully, you know, we know how news cycles work. It's like, hopefully that the individual anglers and the, their names, you know, for the sake of them and their families won't be in the news forever, but that people will remember this. And as we talked about, you know, keep it in mind in case they start getting a little too hungry for, you know, the winnings. Yeah, totally. It makes me wonder if we can have one of these two cheating anglers as a guest to talk through this with them probably need to wait until things are i'm guessing they're not going to want to but yeah but i mean at some point when you make a mistake you can learn from it and you try to help other people and say Mm -hmm. gosh you know i got greedy here or something i mean someone someone's like how did you i mean i guess jason did a good job explaining it they guessed at what they thought the winning weight was going to be but the reports the reports were that the fish they caught would have won mm-hmm. without any weights added. And yeah. they assumed other anglers were going to come in with a 30-pound bag that they needed to beat. And they were clearly, clearly completely wrong. Yeah. And, you know, the the <laughs> the results of this uh, and the viral nature of it, um, everybody that I know knows yeah. about this case. I learned about it from somebody that's never fished a day in their life. Like, hey, did you hear this news story? So yeah, people are talking about it. And I think Jason's words exactly when he was talking about being up there on stage was it took the wind out of his sails. And I think it's yeah. something that, you know, all of us who are passionate about the sport can, you know, share the feeling of. But Well, I look back at some of the tournaments that I've fished, you know, and we've obviously talked about tournament fishing and I love the competition side of it. Um, there's never been a thought that has crossed my mind where I'm like, how can I, how can I rig cheat? It? How can yeah, I, I rig know. it? You can look at it different yeah. times. And I've been in tournaments before where I've questioned anglers. Yeah. I've questioned it because of what the conditions were and the results. Never has it ever gotten to a point where anyone has said, we need to take a lie. De- we want them to take a lie de- detector test that I'm aware of. But, um, and I think some I tournaments, this one included, you know, though they have lie detector tests built in yeah. like, you know, certain place you're going to get it today. So, but yeah, I haven't experienced that either. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would hope again with an ongoing criminal case, there's things that we can probably learn right now and there's things that we can't, but I would like to hear, you know, when this is all said and done, if, if they are found guilty, if there is a, a why that we don't know about, you know, what was the thing that, you know, entice them again if it happened is it the money is it the you know pressure is it the it'd, it'd be interesting to to kind of hear their perspective on what led there well especially because it sounds like i mean jason did a great job staying in his lane of of running this is my mm-hmm. event my tournament trail that i'm running and i'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt but it sounds like from the anglers competing against them that there's been some extreme doubts yeah. before, especially if one of them filling a lie detector test in a different circuit, um, you know, that they just thought foul play. But like, hopefully, how? yeah, we, we can see some of those patterns and signals, you know, in the f- well, hopefully we don't need to. But if those types of patterns or signals arise in the future, red flags will certainly be going up now. We should have a, another tournament angler on. Yeah. From their perspective. Yeah. And we don't have to do it right away, but I'd love to keep in touch. We'll we'll keep tabs on this case to find out what happens and we can obviously give that information. I'm pretty sure people will get it elsewhere as well. Yeah. But it's it's a topic that um gosh, it's fascinating. You wouldn't yeah. think that something like this would happen, but and uh those of you listening from home, you know, we are always looking for ideas for uh, you know, 
guests and things going on for upcoming podcasts. So if you have any of those ideas, uh, feel free to send them our way on our Instagram account. And thanks for everyone for submitting the questions today. We hope you enjoyed so, it. So glad you got that uh, ride in early season. Ice. <laughs> ice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Me <laughs> ice and the ice ride. of the north. <laughs> Special thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show and all of our shows possible. Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized Connecticut dealer, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources, and Sportsman's Guide. All right. Take care, everyone.